glad we both watched it like on on time and like synchron asynchronously and like it just worked out this way it was a it did. crazy season in some ways I thought but also like in some ways I was pissed and wanting it to go faster I totally get that. I wanted to go longer. I forgot mm. how short these seasons are or felt. I didn't even look up how many episodes it technically was, but it felt short. It felt like I feel it, like it was only like fast. eight or something like that. Like it yeah. was not long. But I, I remember TV you formats saying, are so interesting. Yeah. And I, I remember you saying though that like you almost did you like want to give up on it a few times throughout and then they just like kept making it interesting again yeah I was definitely there's 10 episodes this season and it feels so much shorter um and I wasn't super enthusiastic coming into the season I'm like you know what I've seen this was the fifth season this was the fifth season and we know there'll be a sixth season um Season two and season three had 13 episodes, but everything else is 10 episodes. So I guess maybe Mm. I should be used to that. But I wonder if the length of episode changed at all. So I, it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard to watch. The characters are constantly a redemption and then goes back into the pits of fucking hell and (laughs) it's turbulent and almost all the characters are like anti-heroes like they're they're not particularly likable and crash crass and like and it's hard because it's like they're, they're and there's so much humanity in that, right? And that's what keeps you coming back is you're like, mm-hmm. this isn't not realistic. And then when you're like, this isn't not realistic, you're like, oh, fuck. That's okay. Too real. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of, oh, fuck, and being too realistic, will you share a little bit about what it's about for our fans, our friends who don't our friends. know? Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Based on the best-selling novel by Margaret Atwood, this series is set in Gilead, a totalitarian society in what used to be a part of the United States. Gilead is ruled by a fundamentalist regime that treats women as property of the state and is faced with environmental disasters and a plummeting birth rate. In a desperate attempt to repopulate a devastated world, the few remaining fertile women are forced into sexual servitude. One of these women, Offred, is determined to survive the terrifying world she lives in and find the daughter that was taken from her. Taken. Five. <laughs> I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> yes. Kind of. And The Hemi's Tale is based on a book 
um, from long ago by Margaret Atwood. Um, and the first, the first series follows the book in its entirety. And then there's a second book that picks up about 15 years later. And so the show has been filling in the gaps between the two since then, but we don't, from the books, we don't know what happened and we can get into that too, but it's, I think it's a work of art. I really like Margaret Atwood and her work and it's interesting, like from, from you, you haven't read the book, right? No, I haven't. Okay. So then just like seeing the show, do you feel like anything's missing? Are you thoroughly enjoying it? Like, Mm. like what, what do you think? So I'd say the first two seasons, maybe a little into the third, are a lot of like a current timeline and then filling in the gaps of what happened. There's a lot more flashbacks. There's Mm. um, a lot more character development. It's a large ensemble cast, uh, a lot of characters to keep track of. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because again, they pull these threads of humanity and like a world you recognize, you know, a world similar to our world of showing these backstories. And then each inch that happens between that world and this, dystopian society and what motivates each of these characters into the roles they ultimately fulfill now and so interesting so interesting and that really I felt like filled out like I I don't know if I have a ton of questions I don't know how much it is similar to the books I don't know how much they are using the canon to propel the tv series or not I'm hoping they are pretty uh religiously uh-huh. I, <laughs> they're good <laughs> it's not that funny <laughs> you're like dying at this I think you're going off of no sleep <laughs> I think it's rude I think I enjoy my own humor Catherine um I think you should and I'm sorry I validated that <laughs> actually I'm very Just sorry no, no no I I'm never do kidding. that I'm my father's daughter who laughs at my own jokes without <laughs> any <laughs> <laughs> actually it's just funnier to me because I am working off so little sleep that my brain was clever enough to do that I was excited <laughs> to actually trance upon that I still I got it <laughs> I still got it baby <laughs> um so yeah I, Katie can you fill us in a little bit more about like so you did say like they started with the first book now they're filling in the in-between and then they're going to head into the second book potentially I mean you never know with tv exactly how much they're going to get renewed and how much they're going to bring it forward it's possible that if for whatever reason Hulu wouldn't want to renew the series further that somebody else would pick it up and then the seasons would be divided between two uh Mm. platforms yeah but I feel like as a viewer, I'm not missing too much. This most recent 
this most recent season, I think, introduced a little bit more of the governmental relations that yeah. I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing a little bit of a technical piece of it. Like, what is the role of, quote unquote, America between Gilead and Canada? Yeah. Um, and I and think like, that's where does where it my have questions footing? Now? Yeah. Where does yeah. it have footing if it doesn't have space? It's yeah. like a metaverse for a country almost. <laughs> like, it's just floating. But yeah, no, the, the I think the books, the show stay, stays pretty true to the first book, um, at least in spirit. Um, definitely there was like, it like the book felt older when I was reading it. Like, mm. I think I felt like it was maybe in the mid 1900s or something set there, whereas sure. the show is very obviously like, now contemporary yeah yeah. um the thing about the book is that we never know the character main character's first name um she's just referred to referred to as offred or alfred like her commander and um at the very end we it skips forward like 50 years to people in a lecture hall at a university and they're learning about the history of this government state called Gilead and um, the some of the best primary sources that they have to learn from are these tapes recorded by a woman named Offred and like she mentioned a few names throughout it and the first one she mentioned is June so people think that her name was June and that's kind of how we got there but Margaret Atwood never says that her name just straight up is June um so that was just an interesting thing and then to be looking at like the book says something about like how we look back at history too because here they are in the future half a century ahead like studying something that we have seen and read as like so horrific and so present and so just so bad and they're like joking about it and like we can't really tell what happened at that point like where they are but obviously Gilead is gone and done and done and dead um but they're looking at it like from the future's perspective and all these people are inconsequential and just it makes some sort of statement about that there so that I think that piece is what I'm missing and what I want to see at the end of the series even if they do introduce stuff from the second book. Like I want to see like how 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 does this hold up in history? Like this story, mm. you know, and like make make people think about like what are we doing right now that will hold up or not in the future. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And you actually just have so many gears in my head going because again, it's the TV show makes it feel very, very relevant. Like it's a world we know and recognize and have our current advancements in. And then it's crazy to watch it be born apart and so fucking yeah. shitty in all these very explicit ways. Um, <clears throat> and it it feels current events. It, it ties in current events very, very well. Immigration, migration, yeah. um, government I mean, policy the overturn of Roe v. Wade yeah. yeah 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 and so I'm just like what makes it 
draws a viewer in and and it's crazy because then you have the perspective of like these are not new issues either i mean there are issues that we have been most governments all around the world are most people are facing in one way or another and looks very different and so i'm just trying to think through you saying you know if it's 50 years down the line and they're trying to do like a how we feel almost about things that happened 50 years ago or ways that yeah. people are insensitive to it'd be like world war ii or world right war that's one. exactly what i was thinking yeah, yeah. Especially World War One, I, I think that does feel very removed, and most people don't have like a realistic understanding. But especially the human rights makes me think a lot more about World War Two. Yeah, and like I don't know if you've ever caught some of the things like um, people going to concentration camps and like doing yoga and like taking Insta pictures. That's and how they like, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, and being so detached, right? To so, like, yeah, this is terrible things happened here, and now we're we're acknowledging that and we're supposed to be better understanding this and this is a park to you like this right. is just yeah a piece of land that you're gonna put an insta story on because yeah. the sun rises behind you like I I agree and I I have a hard time like even with like I know people love to romanticize World War II and the Holocaust and like put it in books and movies and like sometimes those are the most moving ones like the book Thief is one of my all-time favorite books, but that happens during World War II. And mm -hmm. like, how do we reckon with that? Like, we we don't want to think about it as something fictional because it's not. Mm. It is so real. Yeah. Or even more currently with the Ukraine war uh, mm. and how much I'm so it's felt really present, right? I, it feels like the precipice of a, a world war in a lot of ways. However, there are so many world wars going on around the world that are extremely devastating to the same degree of human rights, etc. We just don't talk about it as much. Yeah. So, and with the factors that lead into that, um, the Ukraine war is white people. A lot of other wars are in countries that are people of color. And yeah, there's like a genocide going on in Rwanda that's been going on for a long time. For a very, very long time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And how we can feel so removed by some things that are happening contemporarily and with more longevity than other things. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's that's interesting yeah and Handmaid's Tale we're definitely at this point riffing quite a bit off of it I mean it's all <laughs> you know through a lens and whatnot but mm -hmm. they don't get they have a great diversity in their class their cast and in the characters but I'm trying to think if I've it's a lot of gendered roles and I'm trying to think if I've heard a lot of nuances race. that have to do with race yeah sexuality is yeah intertwined in that as well oh, yeah yeah I don't think that um I could be wrong but I really don't think that in the book she mentions race explicitly at all mm. and I don't know if that was it was written in 1998 and so she 
she was centered around her like Margaret Atwood was centered around her identity um yeah but also I will say she is an extremely smart woman like extremely interested in social dynamics and um forward thinking about mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff and it comes up in her other books too but um but yeah I don't I don't think race was explicitly stated mm-hmm. yeah yeah Something really interesting that happened in the most current season that I really identified with, and I don't know if it's more me where I am in life or if other people will, you know, have their own stories and connections to this. But so a lot of the seasons take place in Gilead and the main character is in Gilead and trying to break out of Gilead, trying to get her daughter back, trying to figure out how these things can happen cohesively and together because... You can't have one without the other, essentially. Um, and that most recent season, uh, and then some of the mid-season so far, we've gotten to see pieces of Canada as like a juxtaposition. There are some of the adjacent characters to the main character who do get out. And then we get to see what it looks like to be an immigrant in Canada and building a life there and healing from the trauma that is Gilead, while it's also a very present country that and they're having to still be really connected to what's going on there um and then now we we gotta have a season where we're mostly in Canada and living in this world um and seeing how it plays out governmentally socially all of these different things Mm -hmm. um and you just have like this bigger picture idea of like these two countries and how they function and how decisions are made and a placeness about both of them. But then there's kind of, you remember that there's more places in the world. They kind of talk about like, where is our place in the world? Should we be staying in Canada, the place that allowed me to be a refuge? Or like, can I go to Hawaii? And they kind of throw that out. It's like a possibility is like another country that, isn't problematic and is a new place that is a fresh start that isn't having the the same social dynamics at least in theory you don't know until you're there to a certain extent but um and I'll I'll go ahead and say spoiler at the Mm -hmm. end of the season we watched June get on a train to kind of head to um land that was set aside for refugees to get them out of the general populace of Canada where they're you know, no longer getting that governmental aid. And it's a very uncertain future. You have no idea. Like, do they have supplies there? Do they have housing there? No idea what she's heading into. Mm-hmm. She's holding an infant in her arms as she's doing this, but it it's going to be safer in the way that there is not active threats within a defined system. Right. You know, right. we're, we're about to watch like Lord of the Flies again. Again. Honestly, like, I, yeah, it's that same yeah. vibe. Same vibe, same vibe. And, and we've got to see pockets of other like <clears throat> smaller communities functioning. We have like kind of an anti-resistance wing that is in a little bit of a no man's land and like what their social context is. And we got to watch June, previous to her coming to Canada, she got out of the handmade system and was traveling and trying to be active in this network and get her daughter and get to Canada and all these mm-hmm. things and you got to watch what like, these different pockets of like people who are living outside of the system 
but in a similar area and what influences are all taking place yeah. there and just like the placeness about things like I guess, I guess here's where I'm bringing in my own perspective I've been considering you know where is my place literally in terms of like city state location mm -hmm. and so to watch June be in a lot of different settings and like trying to figure out her place for herself within her family and like it's just been really interesting to watch the different conflicts and like there being no perfect place That's um true. or even good <laughs> place I mean yeah 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 it's it deals with a lot of shit and like the place thing is so real like and, and they, they do make it very present like showing her surviving in the woods right when her story kind mm -hmm. of begins her surviving um <clears throat> as a handmaid in a home that's not safe for her her surviving on the run in a car um in her, a home of her making in a brothel in xyz and like it's a lot I um the end scene was so unnerving to me because um as she as she and Luke and their baby were walking or like going down the escalator with like throngs of people it felt really like there was going to be some sort of like mass destruction event like I really mm -hmm. felt like like this is a huge crowd it is foreboding like there's something's gonna happen and of course like Luke gets taken away um which was bs because he hurt the person that was gonna kill June uh but just just saying that it was straight up bs um but then being on the train I I mean like that also felt foreboding and kind of like holocaust e in nature like, mm. here we got we are telling you refugees that there is a safe place across the country let's trip like put you all onto a train and just send you there you don't know where you're going you don't know what's going to be waiting for you but it's better than this we promise i don't know that's so interesting you presence <clears throat> that because me as an eternal optimist I was like this is their way <laughs> you know like I was even though time the handmaid's tale has shown me time and time again just like it's not gonna <laughs> fucking work out it's definitely not gonna go the way you think I think I finally just like submitted myself to it and I was like I'm gonna <laughs> let myself hope for every moment that there is hope available and I was like they're a family unit and they're walking through all of this as long as they're <laughs> together it's gonna be fine and then looks like I was never planning on going like I never thought I'd get away with this and she was like, like you played me my own you play my own game and yeah. I was like you motherfuckers like you have such a healthy marriage and also I fucking hate both of you <laughs> like mm -hmm. what is this like the whole yeah. season I was like everything that went wrong and they were just so accepting of where that was coming from and like the deepest darkest parts of each other I was just like it was yeah I mean they started off their relationship deep and dark metaphorically like 
their relationship started with him cheating on his wife with June. Yeah. And like, it's always been not great, (laughs) I think. Like, not kosher, if you will, you know? Mm. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. I think there's still a lot I mentally have to unpack there. Um, I'm trying to think. Other things that are just kind of surprising if you are a new audience member to the TV series, their use of music, I think, is always the most interesting part for me. And I don't always recognize the songs. They have like a great music purist that somehow is able to elementally like hit like these provoking like timeless songs, but somehow they're they're not basic songs. It's not like they're gonna hit you with like a sweet Caroline, but it's gonna be like the essence of sweet Caroline, but like not quite that if that makes sense i don't know if that makes sense katie what do they do with the music (laughs) help me explain this (laughs) because it's incredible it's incredible i remember the first season they were really heavy with doing this and it was Mm -hmm. like it so you watch the storyline play out and you're watching gilead which feels like this very sterile but horrific place and then again like the way humanity will hate you like it's jarring it's they will overlay it and you know yeah yeah, and you know the song's not actually sometimes they do actually incorporate in the storyline and it is playing Mm -hmm. live in the scene but most often they're especially in the first season they would just like here's what's happening and like is it it's hard because it's not the viewer's perspective i was like is it bringing the viewer like a contemporary or um altruistic overlay into what's happening but it's like a presence of humanity even when you see it being absent in the screen in front of you Mm. like this heartbeat that's going to continue to be even though you just saw the worst possible thing yeah yeah they they do a good job of like making those first like what five seconds of the credits like so important with that music yeah I mean, the one that I'm thinking of is I think they, in the first or second season, have a scene like that where it sucks ass. And then all of a sudden, it's don't let the bastards get you down playing as soon as um, it cuts to black. And there's a lot of June looking at the camera and like intensity. And I wonder if it like cuts the tension or like previews for the next episode. It'd be interesting to see that because sometimes they utilize that technique in the opposite way and don't use anything like it's completely devoid of music or it's just sounds or something and this is interesting that you brought this up i wonder what like yeah like the function is of it because it is i will say so jarring and just like and then you do see the times where they insert it into the actual world and 
I, I, again, we're like five seasons in, I haven't come to a conclusion of what they're actually doing there besides it's so noticeable to me, but I will say thank you to Warper College and Intro to Film because that course made me think about music in film very differently than I would have if I hadn't taken the course. So, um, shout out, shout Warper. out, good night. Good night. Um, and I just <laughs> actually looked on Spotify and there are different playlists for the Handmaid's Tale. So oh, yeah. I'll toss some of these songs into our um our she said Spotify collab playlist so that awesome. people can see what I mean. But yeah, I'm trying to think everyday buddy Holly. Sunday bloody Sunday you two. Uh I'm trying to think. None of these are like huge names that I recognize. Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen. Meaning like I just can't place it almost. Like they're great songs, but it's not I don't know how to describe them. Yeah. 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 But they're great. Like they feel yeah, great. They feel so much. I feel so much when I hear them, even though I don't have a context for them, most of them outside of the show. But they just yeah. pull in a lot of <clears throat> places, I guess. Um, I'm trying to figure out who like the music people are. There's a lot of people credited for music in on the handmaid's tale so just like everybody on that team props to you like shout out it's great ah so good so what we're leading to i believe so as of right now the next season the sixth season of the handmaid's tale is going to be the last one it's the last one slotted i think for production really yes so there's another book called the testaments it takes place 15 years after the first book or the first season of The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Um, and as I said before, I hope that this is kind of filling in the gaps there. Um, there's a lot more time. There's still like 12 years that need to happen <laughs> um, <clears throat> in one season or they need to throw in some cool devices. But can I read like a quick paragraph summary about what the Testaments is? Can I give a quick hypothesis of maybe some way that they decided to do yeah. this? I either think they're gonna straight up continue to tell the storyline as they did in the last season and really wrap it up in like the last episode, do like a throw episode just to like finish it out. Mm. Or, or, or I think maybe they just won't fuck with everything else. They'll just tell out the storyline and not reference the second book and do the 15 years in the future part. My third is that what I hope they do is that similarly to how in the first seasons they did so many flashbacks to give context, I hope they do flash forwards to give context. And, that's what I hope yeah. they do too. <laughs> yes. that's what I, I want to intertwine. <laughs> But also, yeah. I don't know. I almost can't believe that the sixth season is going to be the last season, Katie. I I have a hard time believing that. Even as a person who's like, I think this is excellent, and also I'm fucking done with this. Yeah. Um, I'm still like, you know, Lana SVU got like twenty 
plus fucking seasons. Like yeah. this deserves to play out. Let it play. Yeah. Let it play. Yeah. Oh. I agree with you. And I'm gonna read what have you have you done any research into what the second book is? No. Okay, great. Okay, so then I'll read I knew it I was talking to you. Done. I was like Katie will <laughs> film me. In. It's been a few years since I've read it, so I'm like kind of refreshing too. My um, hypothesis, second hypothesis about this is, is Hannah. The, oh, fourth hypothesis. If Alfred, is Hannah, <laughs> is, is the next book going to tell a lot about Hannah? That's what I hope it does. But <clears throat> if they were learning about Alfred through tapes of the past, I don't know how that storyline could continue to be that well. But, you know, how do you want do spoilers as I'm going through this? Give me so many spoilers. Okay. I want all the spoilers. Okay. So just for you and our listeners, we don't know if this is going to happen in the the show or not. But what the beauty of Margaret Atwood is, is she creates these weird interconnections that are so interesting. You just want to know how it ends. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to just share the first spark note summary paragraph um, of yeah. the Testament by Margaret Atwood. It braids together three separate first person testimonies each of which corresponds to one of the novel's three narrators. The first narrator, Aunt Lydia, composes her account in a manuscript known as the Ardua Hall Holograph. The other two narrators, Agnes and Daisy, each give spoken accounts, which appear in the novel as transcripts of witness testimonies. Each of the three narrators tells her, own, her role in a conspiracy to topple the patriarchal and theocratic regime of the Republic of Gilead. <clears throat> so we know at least two of these characters, Aunt Lydia. So she, I mean, she's, you know, writing down her accounts. Um, she's still in the aunt's hall, but she, we know she's part of this conspiracy to topple the government. Um, the second character, Agnes, is- Is Hannah. Yes. Hannah, who is June and Luke's kid from before the U.S. fell. And we got a nod to this in the most recent season. <clears throat> we got to see Hannah as yeah. like a teenaged girl. She yeah. appeared she almost, older than I think she actually is. She's a wife in training. Yeah, but I think she's like 12, right? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. She looked 16, but I mean, that's a part of the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, But we got to watch her like still write even though she's not supposed to be writing and she writes her like real name Hannah and mm -hmm. that oh, okay. yep okay. I'm sorry I'm sorry so then Daisy the, we haven't met Daisy yet the third narrator is Daisy um who ends up being well okay hold on hold on hold on she ends up being Nicole but she doesn't know she's Nicole so uh, this stinks. Um, so in some of these trans um, manuscripts that Aunt Lydia is composing, we hear about, you know, baby Nicole, who was lost. She was smuggled out of Gilead. Um, we don't know where she is or how she got there. But then in, da in Daisy's world, we kind of see her learning that she is more than what she thought she was. So she kind of comes to the realization that she is baby Nicole and she and Agnes kind of meet at one point. 
and at the very end they are reunited with June and so this means that at the end of the season that we just finished season five June and Nicole left together they left the U.S. Canada together and at some point they're going to be separated and if they follow right right but at some point they might be separated and then they have to find their way back to each other Hold on, if Nicole is Daisy, yeah, it's going to take years. It's going to be years of June being without either of her yeah, daughters. She's a, she's a teenager, yeah. My hypothesis is that they're going to change who Daisy is. That they'll still be a Daisy character, mm. but it'll be like, um, who's the girl with one eye? Um, Janine. Janine. I think it's going to be Janine's daughter. Who was born okay. in the first season and would be still a part of Gilead's system? I don't okay. know why. Okay. I don't know why. I just feel like, even though you told me it's going to happen and, it, you know, they've been pretty respectful to the canon that is the books, I still just don't want to believe that they're going to get separated. I don't know if I can hold on to that. <laughs> and also, if June gets separated by Nicole, then does that mean uh, Serena's going to be separated from Noah? I don't believe that any there's I don't believe that there's any mention at least significant mention of Serena okay which I don't think is possible for the show like I think Serena is yeah. such an integral character and she and June are like they're each other's foils like they need to yeah have that friction um but let me see so the the like I said they were accounts in you know witness testimonies and a manuscript and like the first book the last section of this novel pl takes place in the future in the year 2197 when a historian is speaking about the testimonies from the book mm -hmm. and so it's kind of the same setup like how like we're we're finishing that class, that semester or whatever on Gilead. Mm. A lot of people, like as I was doing some more research for this episode, like a lot of people do not think that this book was necessary. Um, they did not necessarily like it. Mm. Um, I what's your personal opinion, Catherine? I was trying to remember what I felt at the time of reading it, and I think I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I'm a Margaret Atwood stan. I, I love the webs she weaves and what she tries to say about the world. Um, and also her as, a, as a, just a human. She's so cool. She, like, is 85 years old and rides scooters and stuff and posts on Instagram. Um, but, I, I mean, her books are definitely more like introspective like you have to like find these points and hype yourself up about it otherwise if you don't it just reads very flat sometimes mm -hmm. like you have to like really look for it I feel, I feel like it's maybe comparable to little women like the little women book is not super interesting to me <laughs> but um what's our amazing director's name Greta Gerwin 
Um, but she found like the little sparks that made it an incredible movie that is moving and I love it and all of that, right? But I think that has to happen here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you mean. I totally get what you mean. And also, if you haven't happened to listen to it, we do have a little women's episode where we gush, just absolutely gush about the whole thing. I think it's time to watch it again around the holidays. I just need to rewatch it like a few months ago, but yeah, it might be time already again. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so good. I, yeah. I thir- yeah, I love, I love Margaret Atwood. She's little old lady and I'm, I'm glad that there's more people to talk about The Handmaid's Tale with like it, it's a, a super deep show like there's a lot of trauma and content warnings and there's a lot going on there so I love something that Katie has in our little shared notes that we do for these episodes. And she asked, are we still invested? Katie, are you still invested? Yes. I love the reluctant yes, because I'm also <laughs> a reluctant yes. Like, you don't want to love it, right? Like it's yeah. hard. It is hard to love. And that almost makes it more meaningful. Don't take this as, like, romance <gasps> advice. <laughs> oh, I'm going to write that down. It's hard to love, but that almost makes it more meaningful. <laughs> I will say that my dad, we're trying, my mom and I watch the show together a lot. We didn't get to watch the last season together, but we've watched most seasons together. Who knows? Maybe I'll rewatch it with Jane over Christmas. But uh, my dad just refuses if he walks into the room he sees that we're watching it he just walks out because it makes him so uncomfortable and I was like you fucking should be uncomfortable Mr. Patriarchy like you sit your ass down and you enjoy it enjoy this damn it damn it oh my god uh so good all right I think I think I think that concludes it dang all right shall we move on to our next segment segment yes um Katie, would you like to do the song today or shall i you please do <clears throat> sweet as wine sweet as wine sweet as wine what about it wow are your roommates home are they sleeping <laughs> <laughs> they're awake <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, and if, if you had to wake up, like that's, do you want me to record it for it's you, like Katie, Cinderella. again? Cinderella. And you can send it as your, your my ringtone. Oh, my alarm clock. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, you don't want that. I vehemently dislike my alarm. So any alarm, really. I get it. Oh, I actually, hot tip, I have been starting to set an alarm five minutes before my vocal alarm goes off and it's just it's just the vibration Mm. so that a lot of times I am like almost ready to wake up anyway so I don't need to hear a sound and the vibrating doesn't piss me off like the sound does I have switched the sound of my alarm several times to try to get to one that doesn't make me want to like 
kill everybody yeah and I didn't get to one but I do have just the vibration and it's enough okay I have um, I have like a light alarm clock that oh it goes off like 30 minutes it starts getting brighter like 30 minutes before my alarm goes off and I need that just for the bought winter. One. love it but it also like I'm really good at snoozing it because I have that one and my phone mm. <laughs> just I'm just not a waking up type person <laughs> I'm not either. I'm really not. I don't remember you being not a waking up person when we lived together, though. Has it gotten I, worse? I think, I think when I lived with roommates, it was different because, like, I didn't want to, like, snooze for an hour, you know? Like, sure. Like, that was different. But now between Josh and I, like, we just snooze forever. <laughs> like, we were supposed to get up at 7 or 7.30 today. We got up at 840. I understand. Yeah. It doesn't need to be explained to me. I'm the same exact way. I I try so hard. I've been trying, you know, my night routine. I XYZ to make sure I get a good night's sleep. And it's funny because I'll hit my stride, but it is literally like 2% of the year that I like less than 5% that I get like a good night's rest and I'm like ready to go the next morning most of the time I wake up and I'm like it doesn't matter how long I've slept honestly sometimes if I sleep less it's better like because I'm mm-hmm. I don't go so deep into REM I guess and like whatever else. I don't know I don't know I don't know science behind it I just got an alarm clock that's gonna do the light thing for me I got it yeah. on Black Friday or Cyber Monday so I'm excited I'll report back but Please. I, I also got it because of winter. I was like, yeah. if I'm not going to see the actual sun during the day, I <laughs> would like to. And my room's like really oddly dark. It's even darker right now. I have like lights everywhere, but somehow it just doesn't feel like any of it actually lights up. <sighs> <laughs> Adequately. Uh, I get that. And I, I like to wake up to the natural light. Like when it, when I have like my blinds and my curtains closed, it's so dark. Mm. But anyway, I think that's an overall line about it. Winter. <laughs> Winter. Winter is here. <laughs> uh, all right. Would you like to go first with your sweetest line, line about it? Yeah, I will. I will start, yeah, with my sweetest line. Typically, we kind of accidentally do it opposite. We tend to end on a good note, but... I am so excited. So I mentioned I got like an alarm clock on Cyber Monday. I was not planning on participating on Cyber Monday. So I uh, did really well considering that. I bought a book. Oh. I'm very excited about my book that's coming. Oh. Um, I, and this is the hard part. This is where I'm like, oh, God damn it, capitalism. Because I got a third thing on Amazon. Oh, I do, I do know what it is. I'm like, and I've already forgotten. Like, I bought it a week ago. I was so excited, and now I can't remember. I got a charging station for my phone, my AirPods, and my watch. So I that, too. Like, they all. Oh my god! <laughs> what color is yours? I think I got black. I either got, I got black white. or white, but I think okay. I got black. I got yeah. white. It's fine. <laughs> I was worried it would get. My room just is dusty a lot, and oh, I just yeah. got worried that the white would show that more. I'm pretty sure it's the same, and I just need to dust more. So here we are. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, and my big purchase that maybe I should have thought through, but I'm so excited about it is, uh, Costco had really good deals on TVs. 
Mm. And then they were out of the size of TV I wanted. I wanted a 55 inch and my choices were a 41 inch or a 65 inch. And I got the 65 inch. So I have a big ass TV in my living room. <laughs> and it came up Friday. Thank you. Thank you. I got all set up yesterday and I'm so over the moon about it. That's super and exciting. I try to spend more time <laughs> out of my room. I live in a house with roommates. I love my roommates. Um, it's just really easy for me to kind of default into like my personal space. I have like my desk in my room. Yeah. So I always work in my room and I sleep in my room and I watch TV in my room. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like we, just this morning, I, they were like looking, I, I set it up yesterday while they were out and then they got home really late. And so it was the first time we all got to look at kind of the living room Please. slightly rearranged for the TV in it this morning. And already we sat there for like 20 minutes and talked. And that is the most we've used that living room in like a year. <laughs> Like we just don't use it. It just doesn't yeah. get used because there's yeah. not like a huge purpose to being in there. And <clears throat> I'm so excited. Sweet. <laughs> That's so cool, Ken. You think you I'm gonna watch off my shows. And then maybe I need to think about like setting new rules and boundaries about like my screen time. Cause oh. I I actually think I'll be really good about like if I'm in the living room doing things I, like I'll probably be doing something creative and have a tv show on or like full laundry and have a tv yeah. show on things I don't always get to do because I'm like normally watching on my phone on my computer more so that like because I have a tv out there I probably shouldn't watch it in my bed anymore mm, and that oh, would be boundaries. really good those types of boundaries like not so much like limiting the amount of time I'm on screens but ultimately that is the goal uh more so like balancing where and how I consume content because I've mm. been a little off the rails. That's super smart. Super yeah. smart. So that's my sweetest wine. And let me think. <clears throat> let me like connect with my hate fire for my wine about it. <laughs> connect with your hate fire. Connect with my hate fire. Um The holidays are really pissing me off this year. That's what? my hate fire. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. For no good reason. If anything, these are the better holidays than I've had in years. But uh, I just feel like they're really awkward this year. Like I'm independent consultant. So like I get to set my time off. Right. Mm. And I, I want all the time off as it turns out. So if anybody's looking for a trophy woman to be in your life, um, that's me. I would like to just um, exist at home, preferably, oh my God, with yes. no responsibilities. I just took nine days off for Thanksgiving. Dream Not job. Dream job. Um, I didn't take them completely off. Actually, that's probably what makes me. It was really great. I'm so glad I had nine mm -hmm. days because then I like felt like I really got out of my space and somewhere else. And I I went to Arizona and visited a really dear friend, and that was wonderful. Um, but I did work while I was there and then came back and still have worked. I'm just like, I'm not completely getting my reprieve. And sometimes I didn't, sometimes I didn't in previous roles. Mm. Um, but then I was like looking at, I didn't look ahead at like Christmas time frame, and I'm like, oh shit. Holidays are over weekends this year. <laughs> so yeah. if I don't take the time, I won't get the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's good. I've looked 
it's not a problem if I were to say right now I'm going to take the entire week between Christmas and New Year's or Christmas yeah. yeah Christmas and New Year's off like I know so many people who are doing that mm -hmm. and it won't be a problem but it's just like you have to say that I have to yourself. like say my, I have to say that for myself I have to say all my mantras to support it you know like I'm truly I need to contact everybody I work with and let them know that I'm taking that time off and then I have to follow through and actually take the time off and for sure. sometimes that's hard when you're like well, I'm a single person so like I need to remind myself like I am important what I want is important I'm not doing this for everybody else but I get to be present for everybody else if I do this that mantra <laughs> set yourself up for it yeah I do I have to like it's like a <clears throat> boxing walking. yeah, yeah. <laughs> put me in coach um but I'm so excited, I, especially since I didn't spend Thanksgiving with family. I am excited. That makes me extra excited for Christmas to yeah. spend out with family. And yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Although I, I kind of think it's kind of funny. I feel like again, need to come up with better boundaries and rules. Like, I totally get it. My brother and his fiance are not coming home for Christmas. They want to spend their first like actual Christmas days in Kansas City, and especially that makes sense this year because it's an off kilter. You know over the weekend time frame they get the days yeah. around it off yeah. but um so i'm going to waverly and spending those days with my parents and like i i know my parents will be over the moon about having me there and having a child home and if neither of us came home i think they would be a little sad about it mm -hmm. but then we're rescheduling our family my brother his fiance my parents and i our family for uh, Christmas for February and we've done that in the past and it was really fun when we did it like mm -hmm. a year or two ago um that being said I'm kind of like we're we're gonna celebrate Christmas two years two months after Christmas at that point is it just like a family weekend together Kinda. can we just call it a family weekend and be intentional about that yeah. and not call it Christmas like a makeup of Christmas I just think yeah. it sounds so funny and silly sometimes like yeah. <laughs> I don't really need to drag the holidays several months before and after when they actually take what? place. What? what? I'm crazy. So crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, secondary whine about it. It's just holidays being complicated and it's all great because it's time with friends and family and that's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, just like trying to figure out what feels right for me and then understanding what feels right for me maybe isn't what feels right for other people and respecting that. Oh, I get like, that. It's hard. Yeah, Especially it's like, hard. When, like, do you feel like this? Cause we're kind of in the same boat now. Like when you go home to your parents, like you're also like, I try to navigate like seeing my hometown friends and yeah. And then like, spending time with my family and making sure there's a balance but now they live far away so it's like a little bit of a drive to my friends and what it's just messy <laughs> yeah it's yeah. messy and it's spontaneous so it's like yeah. I'm like again trying to plan when I'm back and Waverly it's like Christmas Eve it's the day before Christmas mm -hmm. or the day before Christmas Eve that night is like when everybody hits the bars because typically you don't have family obligations. It's night, but like everybody's free. It's fun because you get to see the people and you get to see their parents a lot of the time because yeah, you're in Iowa. It's, it's fun. <laughs> it's you fun you to like miss your friends' parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times we don't actually talk about doing it until approximately two p.m. the day that we're going to see each other at eight p.m. So and that's like, a Friday so I'm not this year. Really planning on it, and it's a Friday this year. Ugh. 
and there's a number of people who just miss it because they do have other family traditions yeah. where they celebrate on that day or whatever but yeah yeah oh, I about. Well, Katie, what is your sweetest wine wine about it and what order you're going to do it in i'm going to do my sweetest wine first because it has to do with the holidays wow. also so I thought, good so i just <laughs> raged on the holidays and katie's gonna give you a cup of, cup of tea mine <laughs> is mine is just that this weekend is full of like holiday music cheer like last night um i was telling ken's i went to the university's um varsity glee performance for the holidays and that was really fun and then today i'm gonna go see christmas with wartburg at our alma mater <gasps> It was some friends, and so I was I was part of that show, and I think this is the first year I'm like actually seeing it. I think it is like I think this is the first year that I'm seeing it and not performing in it. That's exciting. Will somebody break a leg? Only time will tell. I saw that happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like I'm just. It's a beautiful show and we'll be sitting up in the balcony and it's so nice to just like see something like super professional, super beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like, it is kind of a religious experience, but it's also like a spiritual experience because I think the music is so good. Like it's just, they tell the story, whatever story that they're trying to tell really well and they always end with the same version of Silent Night. I'm probably going to cry. It's so good. It is. It is incredible. And I was in the children's choir when I was in oh, seventh yeah. grade. So I actually performed before I was in college. <laughs> and I didn't do it when I was in college. <laughs> um, but I'll say it was even impactful to me as a 13-year-old. And I think that's pretty transformative if you can (laughs) reach a pretty indifferent child (laughs) that was just there for kicks and gigs and I was like wow this is heavy and like in a good way like this yeah meaningful this is sweet this is caring this is all these really wonderful things so so good I'm so excited yeah is this sold out this year I don't think so I was looking at the tickets earlier today um, and I think there still might be a couple. So, yeah, cool. yeah. Um, that's my sweetest wine. Just getting to watch shows and like be part of the holiday magic. Cheer. This, yeah, magic. Cheer. Oh, magic. oh, I liked magic. <laughs> believe in Christmas magic. And a young girl's heart. Sammy, you're right. Me, it's me. I'm a young girl. Except we can leave that into my wine about it because I might be young, but my body's getting old and my I have a sports injury I'm saying. (laughs) From um volleyball. Volleyball, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My sports injury, my athletic performance is um hindered. I strain my back some way um oh no so I just hurt it's not super debilitating but like it's uncomfortable and it can be what are you doing for it taking drugs and I'm putting a hot water bottle on I thought about 
trying to like stretch it a little bit but it hurts when I just like put my head down far enough so uh that's about all the stretching I've been doing so far do you know the most the number one yoga position the position that all yogis do all their yoga to get to is shavasana which is just laying like a plank yeah (laughs) (laughs) they do all the other things to get to the peace that you can feel in shavasana Mm -hmm. and if you can just feel the peace you don't have to do all the other stuff (laughs) oh is that what it is Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> so you're winning is what I'm telling you. Whoa. You are doing what <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years of yogis have been trying to do, Catherine. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I wish I was making that up, but I genuinely went to a yoga studio in Minneapolis and that's what they said. And I'm just gonna take that at face value and not question it. So you know, I can see what they're saying, but I I think there's some maybe like, like a little bit of tweaks there. Yeah. Yeah. Something. <laughs> something. I feel a little off. That one. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you have you had back issues previously? Like, is this a recurring theme or is this no. like, uh, I overdid it? Did you stretch when you were playing? I'm not trying to victim blame. I'm just, no, curious. you're good. <laughs> I've, I've told a few people now. It's like, like in the fantastic, I feel like I'm in the Fantastic Four movie. There's a guy who can like stretch his body like rubber, but like rubber, his enemies will freeze him and then he breaks. And oh. I feel like with the cold, I like froze and then I mm. broke. Like, like maybe I've been working out too much. Like I feel like I've been doing a, a couple things a day the last week or two. And that's been a little abnormal. Like usually it's like a few times a week. Um, so maybe I just overdid it. I didn't stretch, stretch, but I've never had like this type of an injury before. My lower back hurts sometimes, but that's mostly because I don't stretch or do ab workouts. So, but it's, this isn't that. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Praying for you and your back for a quick recovery. Might need to go get a massage or something. I think you should. You know what? Now that you mention it, I think I should, in solidarity, also go get a massage. Maybe our spiritual connection will help your, will let your massage relaxation shavasana transfer to me. I won't even need to get one. You just get one. Focus on the right middle back and then <laughs> in there. And I'll be healed. And you'll be completely good to go. <laughs> Well, that's what Josh is for, right? Has he tried giving you a massage? Yeah, yeah, and he's been, he's been pretty good, but yeah, I need like the full heat. Yeah, I need some one of those like hand guns to pound into my back and break me. Does Luke give you or Luther give you back massages too? No, he mostly steps on my yeah. face. There's no peace here. I live with two boys. <laughs> one is a dog and one is six five. <laughs> There's no peace. <laughs> okay, that that's not being honest. The real chaos comes from me, I think. I think I'm the crazy one <laughs> in the world that we live in. Yeah. And it's needed. It is needed. Ugh. Okay. 
Well, we'll be back next time with a quick little check-in. Check-in, check-in. I can't wait to talk to you about how this December is shaping up. It's been a pleasure, Catherine. Absolutely.